pray you feel the Holy Spirit, and He's here and He's doing a work. Amen? Amen. So uh, a few announcements this morning. One, I just want to remind you about Read Through the Bible. There are some Read Through the Bible. It's on a paperback there. It's one that I do every single year because you're in the Old Testament and New Testament every day, which really, to me, is very important. Um, so if you guys want to join me, like I shared last week, I'm actually reading the message this year, which I've never read before. It's not a translation. It's a paraphrase, but I just want to see what it has to say and what the Holy Spirit's going to speak to me through it. So if you want to read the one I'm reading, I'm going to read the message. And uh, pick any translation and read the Bible. If you've never done it, I encourage you to do it. Like I said, I do it every single year. I read through the Bible every single year, and I don't know how many times I've done it now. But uh, you know what? I can tell this every single year the Holy Spirit has new things jump out at me that speak to me, that minister to me, things that I've never even seen before, it seems like. And so I just encourage you guys to join me and read through the Bible this year. And, uh, you know, those are all the announcements that I see that we need this morning. So for offering, Colossians 3, 15 through 17 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. There's that word again, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms, and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. There it is again. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. If you give this morning, give because you're given to Him and you're given it thankfully and you're given it joyfully. Amen? Do everything we do as unto Him, including our giving. It's all unto Him. And if you're not giving to Him, don't even give it this morning. Hold on to it. And give when you can give unto Him. Amen. Would the ushers come forward? Now pierced him, wounded side. This is love. This is love. Holy heart, sacrifice. This is love. This is love. I bow down to the Holy One. I bow down to the Lamb. I bow down to the Worthy One. I bow down to the Son of God, died for us. This is love. 
stand as the ushers come forward. Let's pray. Father, we want to be people who do everything as unto you, Lord Jesus, including our giving as unto you, giving financially, giving of ourselves as unto you, Lord Jesus. And we do give to you, Lord Jesus, and we pray that you continue to use us for your glory, that you'll take these gifts, these tithes and offering, and they'll use this for your glory, Lord, that every penny will go and be used for your glory and your kingdom, and that you will stretch it where it needs to be stretched, Lord Jesus. We just thank you, Lord, how much you love us, and that we, we would just uh, give that love back to you and to those around us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead, remain standing. Greet one another. If you don't know somebody, go introduce yourself. And uh, don't take too long because i got a message to preach.
I will. So you guys ready? So if the kids in the youth group can hear me, you guys are going to stay in here this morning. Tito actually got back uh, around, uh, I don't know, I got a, an email from him at 2.30 this morning stating that uh, he's going to try to make it to church. He, they were on retreat. So he got back at 2.30 this morning or something like that, so I don't see him here. So if he's back there, you guys can be there, but I think he would have come in and shown his face, and I haven't seen him. So, But if you guys have God's Word, Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3, this is going to be our starting point. We're going to be all around this morning, but our starting point is Ephesians 3, starting with verse 14. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Our theme this year has been exceeding abundantly, which is taken from verse 20 here. And this morning we're looking at, as the title of the message says, finish exceeding abundantly. We're coming to the end of the year. We're wrapping up the year. We're finishing up the year. Um, If you look around the church here, we're a little up in age, some of us a little older, and uh, finishing well. Like I said, I think it was during communion, whenever I said it, uh, I've been reading this Bible. It's called the Uzziah Syndrome, and it's 40 keys to finishing your life and ministry well. And I don't, I, I don't just want to finish well. I want to finish exceeding abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or think. I, want to be, I just want to finish exceeding abundantly. I want to finish strong. It says in Philippians 1.6, it says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. It says in the Amplified, And I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. It says in the New Living Translation, and I am certain that God, who began the work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And the message says, There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. God starts a work in us, and God finishes the work in us. And he's still working on each and every one of us. And God finishes what he starts You know, in our society, 
it seems like we're a lot better at starting things than we are at finishing things. We're great at getting things started, and we get going, and we're excited when we start it, and then things don't always go as quite as planned, and then uh, sometimes we don't even finish them. I mean, like for me, when I was young, and uh, when I was in elementary school, and we would have uh, birthday parties, my mom would throw a birthday party for me, and kids would bring presents, and a lot of times I would get models. And you know what? I don't even see models anymore. I assume they still have them. I don't know. Do they still have those models like cars and airplanes and stuff? And, yeah. And uh, when I was young, I would get these models, and I would see the picture on the box, and it's painted, and it looked all nice. And so, and you would get this glue. And then uh, kids started getting high on the glue, so then you couldn't get the glue anymore, and they had to change the glue. I don't know why I threw that in there, but just memories. But I would start this model, and I knew what this model was going to look like when I was done with it, and I had this picture, and I was just like, oh, yes, this is going to be great. And so I would get it, and I'd get it out, and I'd break all the pieces off, and you get out the glue, and the glue wouldn't come out as thin as you want it to be, and then you would put it together, and then you'd have this glue running down, and then things weren't going as planned. And I've always been a perfectionist, and I would get frustrated. And I think pretty much every single model I ever built was finished the same way. And that was with firecrackers. Every single model I ever finished was finished with firecrackers because I would get so frustrated that it looked the way it was supposed to look that that thing got blown up. I started well, and my intentions were good, but the finishing it wasn't so good. King Uzziah in the Bible started well didn't finish well at all. And there's many examples in the Bible of people who started well, had good intentions, and didn't finish well. I want to be a person who finishes exceeding abundantly. I want to be used by God till my very last breath. And I want God to be using me in ministry. Uh, Don came up to me this morning, and uh, what'd you tell me, Don? Do not number the children of Israel. and In other words, don't worry about the numbers of the people in the church. And said, I'm not worried about that. It's never been my goal as a pastor to build a large church. My goal as a pastor has always been to build large Christians. My goal has never been to build a large church. My goal as a pastor and as a man of God is to build large Christians. And I'm going to let God do what he's going to do with his end. You know what? He's not done with me. He's still working on me. He's going to finish well with me, and I'm not worried about that. God's going to do what he's going to do. This is his church. It's not my church, and he can do with the numbers what he wants to do. As a matter of fact, the book of Acts said, and God added unto the church those who were being saved day by day. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. He can do what he wants to do. He's God. That's not my job. My job is to try to build large Christians, large, strong, healthy Christians who are making impact in God's kingdom. Amen? Amen. So 
How do we finish strong? How do we finish exceeding abundantly? What does it take? Well, we're not going to go through all 40 points, and I don't have time to go through all that. But I want to look at just a few things so we finish this, our lives. We finish our ministry strong for the Lord. And so I have chosen three men in the Bible that I want to look at this morning and the things we can learn from these men in the Bible to, so we finish strong, so we finish succeeding abundantly. First person I want to look at is David, King David. And we're going to look at a few different parts of Scripture. We're going to start here in 2 Samuel 12, 1 through 15. It says, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a great many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and his children. It would eat of his bread and drink of his cup and lie in his bosom and was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. Rather, he took the poor man's you lamb, and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger burned greatly against the man and said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. He must make restitution for the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and had no compassion. Nathan then said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, It is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your care, and I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added to you many more things like these. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me, and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you from your own household, and I will, I will even take your wives before your eyes and give them to your companion, and he will lie with your wives in broad daylight." Indeed you, indeed, you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and under the sun. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born to you shall surely die. So Nathan went to his house. What does David say? He says, I have sinned against the Lord. He admits it. He confesses it. When we're confronted, how do we respond? My experience is normally as we deny it. Nope, wasn't me. I didn't do that. Nope, nope, nope. Fairly recently, I had to confront somebody on something. And uh, they said, nope, didn't do that. I said, I have proof you did it. Nope, didn't do that. 
I have 100% proof that you did this. Undeniable proof that you did this. Nope, did not do that. Showed them the proof. Oh, yeah, okay, I did that. We deny or we deflect. Well, it's not as bad as Matt. Look at Matt. At least I'm better than Matt over there. Holy smokes, look what he did. At least I'm better than dude. Dude's not even quite as good as Matt. At least I'm, and we deflect and we say, look at their sin. Look what they're doing. Look, no, David says, I have sinned against the Lord. I confess. I did it. I was wrong. When we mess up, we need to confess it. We need to quit pretending that it didn't happen. We need to quit denying it. What's the first step in a 12-step program? Admitting that you have a problem. Hi, my name's Dave, and I'm a pastor. And I'm an alcoholic. Oh, sorry, I put that in there. <laughs> yeah, that's the first step. Admitting we have a problem. Here's King David, the most powerful man in the country. And yet, when I think if I were in his shoes and I were the king, I might be like, hey, I'm the king. Back off, Boogaloo. I'm the king. Don't even talk to me. I have the power. I have the authority. You want to keep living? Shut your mouth. No. He's a man of God. And he says, I have sinned against the Lord. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Remember when we sin, your relationship with God's not broken. You're still a child of the king. You're still a child. But your fellowship is. That sweet communion is broken. So we confess it. I have sinned against the Lord. And if we sin against somebody else, we confess it to them. I've sinned. Forgive me. You know, uh, one of the words for forgiveness that we translate Forgiveness is the word charis, which is the word grace. The grace gifts, the charismatic gifts, the grace gifts, the undeserved. God's forgiveness, His grace is undeserved. And yet when we confess our sins, it's extended to us. And He extends grace to each and every one of us that we can grab on and hold and have that relationship with Him. And then when we sin, after we have a relationship, we can have that sweet fellowship restored. And you know how many times he extends that to us? As often as we need it. As often as we need it, he extends that forgiveness, that grace to each and every one of us. You want to finish well? Confess. And then forgive yourself and move on. But don't sit there and deny it. And if things aren't going right, when, uh, when we have elders' meetings, that's one of the things I ask the men. As a matter of fact, when we have an elders' meeting, it's anything on the Sunday service you want to discuss, anything that was good, anything that was bad, anything we need to look at, anything we need to change. Let's take a look at it. Let's look at this. Let's get real. Let's say if there's things we need, let's, let's change it. Let's make it right. I have sinned. Let's put it behind us and move on. We can learn that from King David. It's such an important thing in this life. Admit it and then put it behind us and move on and keep going. Another thing we can learn from King David is he's a man after God's own heart who will do 
all his well. It says in 1 Samuel 13, 14, it says, But now your kingdom shall not endure. The Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. They're talking about David. He's the one after God's own heart. And then Acts 13.22 says, After he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. See, part of one of the things is having a heart after God is confessing to sin that we have in our life, admitting to ourselves that we have a problem, and then dealing with it and moving on. Satan wants to lie to you, so you deny it, so you just allow it to stay there. But it's like cancer. If you leave it there and you don't deal with it, it will metastasize into other areas of your life. When you deal with it, God cuts it out. His forgiveness washes it away, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You want to have a heart after God? Confess it. And then want to do his will. I love that he says, a man after my heart who will do all my will. He wants to do God's will. Did he do God's will all the time? No. That's why he's being chastised. He looked down. He saw Bathsheba. He said, ooh, la, la, sasun. And then he said, mama mia, I want that. And so he got that. And then he brings, takes her, her husband, brings him back, and sends him out and sends him to the war and says, first brings him back so he'll lie with her so they won't know whose child it is. That doesn't work. He's more righteous than that. He won't do that. Then he sends him back to the front lines so he's going to get killed for sure. And yet he still has a heart after God because when he's called out, he confesses it and he puts it behind him. And he says, I have sinned against the Lord. But notice here there's still consequences. This, this child that is born to you will, shall surely die and does. There's still consequences to our sin, but God's forgiveness is bigger and greater. So we grab onto God's forgiveness, and we, then we have a heart after God, and He restores that fellowship. This is what we need to learn from King David. And the last thing we need to learn is, and I was going to read this, but I don't know if we have time. 1 Samuel 17. Do you guys know what's in 1 Samuel 17? David and Goliath. You guys remember the story about David and Goliath? And they're at war. And how tall is Goliath? Anybody, I didn't even re-study it this time. Anybody remember how tall Goliath is? 9'6", 9'8", something like that, right in that ballpark there. Would have been a good basketball player in today's age. His arms would be way over the rim when he just stood there. I mean, he would be like this far from the rim. They would just pass it to him. He'd just be going like this, you know, back and all that. And he's calling out. They're going to war. Who will fight against me? Whoever, whatever man will come against me, whatever man wins, that wins the whole war. We don't have to do this, everybody dying. And he's going out. And David the shepherd, his dad sends him to take the goodies to his brothers. And he hears the taunting of this giant. 
and he continues to taunt, and David starts talking, what will happen, what will go on, and then his brothers, his brother starts going after him, saying, what are you doing here? You just came down to, you should be back watching the sheep. You shouldn't even be here. But David keeps hearing them taunting. And I'm going to read this. This is verse 24. I skipped all the first uh, 23 verses. It says, When all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel, and it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? I want you to notice something here. Verse 24 says, When all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. What did the men of Israel see? A giant who wanted to battle against them. They saw the man, and they were greatly afraid. They were terrified, and they ran. What did David see? He saw somebody taunting the armies of the living God. What you see is what you're going to act upon. If you see the giant and you focus on the giant and you keep your attention on the giant, you're going to want to flee. You're going to run, run away. If you see somebody who's taunting the armies of the living God, it changes everything. It goes on. I'm skipping down again to actually the next page. Verse 36 says, this is David speaking. You know what? I'll start at verse 33. Then Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth while he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. So what did David saw? David saw God who delivered him before. He's going to deliver me again. Don't keep your eyes focused on the giant. You're just going to have problems. You are going to have fear if you keep focusing on the giant. 9-6 is a big man. He's huge. Super, yeah, in the natural, don't look at that. Get your eyes off the natural. Get your eyes back on the, on the God who delivered you. And then we're going to skip down to uh, verse 45. It says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a, spo- a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down and 
remove you, your head from you. And I will give you the dead bodies of I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. There's two things I want you to notice here. When you're facing a giant, you go to that giant in the name of the Lord of hosts. You want to overcome the giants in your life? You go to him in the name of the Lord of hosts. You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I came to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. And the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will deliver you into our hands. Little Elena, we go to him in the name of the Lord of hosts, of the God of the armies of Israel. For my nephew Parker, we go to him in the name of the Lord of hosts, in the God of the armies of Israel. It's not our battle, it's God's battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. We sing the song, we talk about it, we need to start walking it and believing it. We go to, we go to our giants in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord of hosts, because the battle belongs to God. And then we know the story. He's had the armor on, he takes us off, I can't do it. He picks up five smooth stones, he goes out. Slings them, first one knocks them out, kills them. Actually, I think it was Don or somebody was just telling me why he had five smooth stones, and I don't remember why, but somebody did a whole teaching on why he had five smooth stones. And, uh, yeah, I don't want to go there. I was just saying, that was just a little side thing. It's okay. Thank you, though. I appreciate that. I Thanks for the help. What I wanted to get us to see is simple. We all have giants in our life. You want to finish strong? You want to finish succeeding? There's going to be giants. It's going to happen. We're going to look at them again in a little bit in a different situation. We're going to see the giants again in a little bit. We all have them in our lives. They're going to be there. You want to finish strong? We go in the name of the Lord of hosts, and the battle is God's. Amen? No matter what you're facing, stand on that. And then another person I want to talk about in the Bible, his name is Daniel. And one of the things I love about Daniel is I never have once read in God's Word anything negative about Daniel, not one thing. And God's Word is very transparent and very true. That's one of the things I love that continues to show even our weaknesses, even the people of God over and over and over. And yet Daniel is a man of God and, and you don't see anything negative being said about him. As a matter of fact, he's a man who will not compromise. He will not compromise his faith. He will not compromise his integrity. He stands on his God. Daniel 1, 1 through 8 says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. He brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ash, 
the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel, some of the king's descendants of some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies, of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of the time they might serve before the king. Now from among the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Why would this defile him? We're not 100% sure. It's very possible that the king's food had been ritually dedicated to Babylon's God, which had made it unfit for them to eat. It's very possible that the eating of the food would violate God's dietary law set out in Leviticus. It doesn't tell us exactly why, but it would. And even though it's a minor little thing on a dietary issue, Daniel's not going to compromise because you're faithful with the little things, we'll be faithful with the big things. And if we're not going to be faithful with the little things, we probably won't even be given the big things to be faithful with. So he would not defile himself from the very beginning. And social psychologists have done study on compromise and people compromising. And when, if you don't want to compromise, one of the best things you can do is take a stand at the very beginning. Because if you'll take a stand at the beginning, they've done studies, and I can show you all the studies, but I don't have time. If you'll take a stand at the beginning, you'll probably stick with it all the way through. If you compromise at the beginning, you'll compromise most of the way through. And these are just studies they've done. So we take, he takes a stand at the very beginning, with a, which appears to be a minor thing, but he would not compromise. And you know what I see in the church today? is compromise everywhere. We compromise over and over and over. I was talking with Dolly before church. I hear more swearing from Christians at this time in history than I ever have at any other time in my whole life. I see so much compromise. And I'm not saying swearing's the end of the world. I'm not trying to make a big point of it. I'm just saying if we're going to compromise in little things, we're probably going to compromise in big areas. And I was sharing with Dolly. I said, you know what? I've seen people at this church who I consider strong Christians going out and doing things that I thought I would never, ever see them do. Compromising. You want to finish strong? You want to finish exceeding abundantly? We cannot compromise. We stand on God. We stand on His Word. It goes on with Daniel. Daniel 6, 1 through 11. It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, and they would be in charge of the whole kingdom. And over them three commissioners, of whom Daniel was one, that these satraps might be accountable to them, and that the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit, and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. 
Then the commissioners and satraps began to find a group of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs, but they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful, and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Just stop here for one second. Just think about our, think about our politicians. Can you think of one politician that we can't find corruption in? I can't think of one. And since we're going to be voting a little bit, they'll start standing on the policies, and after a little while, they're just going to start slinging mud and saying they did this and they did that and they did this because they can't stand on their... Look at Daniel, a man of God. And no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Then these men said, we will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. Then these commissioners and satraps became by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows. King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors have consulted together that the king should establish a statue and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, while king established the injunction and signed the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document that is the injunction. This is verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now, in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. He knows what's been said. He knows what's been signed. He knows if he bows down and prays to his God, he knows what the consequences are going to be. And you know what he does? He goes and shuts the windows, and he closes it all up, and he hides in secret and prays to his God, right? No. No, he leaves the windows open. says, I'm going to please my God more than I want to please men. I'm not going to compromise in the little things. I'm not going to compromise in anything. And we know what happens. They see him. He's taken. He's thrown in the lion's den. But there's something that's in the lion's den that protects him. Who's in the lion's den? Jesus, a Christophany, lets him out. Then they take all the other families, throwing them in, and they're devoured thing I want you to get to see. You want to finish strong? You want to finish well? doesn't matter if your life's being threatened. It doesn't matter what the consequences are. We don't compromise our faith. We stand strong in the Lord and the strength of His might, Ephesians 6.10. We want to finish succeeding abundantly. We don't compromise in God's Word. Amen? And then the last person I want to talk about, and I may go a couple seconds over, but I'll try to do it really fast, which is one reason I'm speaking so quickly this morning is Caleb. You guys remember Caleb? Caleb's one of my heroes. I'm going to tell you why Caleb is one of my heroes. And uh, I was going to read all this, but I'm just going to go to the highlighted points here. Okay, so they're getting ready to go on the promised land. Joshua and Caleb. The spies have been sent out. He's one of the spies. They come back with the report. You guys remember the port? 
The land is good. They said, this is the fruit. There was so much fruit. They had to put it on a pole between them. The fruit is great. The land flows with milk and honey. But there's giants in the land. Once again, there's giants in the land. And so he goes out, and he's a part of this. And after they start going out, and this is what I want you to see for a second, and we'll talk about, maybe we'll talk about the giants in a second. But here it says in Joshua chapter 14, uh, Caleb says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spine out the land. And then it skips down to verse 10. It says, Now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years. From the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am 85 years old today. I am still as strong today as I was in the day of, as Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. Now then give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard that on that day that Anakim were there, the great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. You know why I love Caleb? Because he's 85 years old and he's still kicking butt and taking names. I'm 60. I feel like a tired old man at 60. He's 85 years old. You know what he's getting ready to do here? Go take the territory that God has allotted to him. He's already been fighting for everybody else, and it's time for him to go. And now he's 85 years old. And he's saying, let's go. Let's do this thing. Come on, men, let's go. I started thinking about that. An 85-year-old man, he's our leader. He's the one leading us. He's the one taking us. But he's still as strong as when he was 40 years old. He still has the strength. He still has the desire. He still has the heart. He's still saying, let's go. Let's do this thing. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I love that. You want to finish strong? Be a Caleb. Don't look at your age. God doesn't care about your age. Quit looking at that stuff. What did, what did the men see? They saw the giant. You know what happened when they brought back a bad report from the land they went out to spy out? This is what it says. This is Numbers 13. And I actually have 23 through 14.10, but I'm not going to go through it all. It says in verse 28, Nevertheless, the people who lived in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and, and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, which were part of the giants. But you know what Caleb says when they're getting ready? This is not at 85 now. This is back. It says we should by all means go up and take the possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with them said, we are unable to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out um, to the sons of Israel bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone and spying out is a land that devoured its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw, there again, we saw in it are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, are part of the Nephilim. And we became like grasshoppers on our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Caleb says, yeah, there's giants in the land. Yeah, there's a lot to overcome. 
But let's go. Let's do this. Don't let that hold you back. Quit putting your eyes on the giant. Start seeing the giant slayer who is our God. Take your eyes off the giants. Quit looking at the giants. You're going to have fear. When your eyes are on the giants, you become like the people. It says here in chapter 14, Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And then they said, We would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. They're all whining and complaining like a bunch of little girls. Instead of getting excited about what God has for them. They've been wandering for 40 years. And it's time to go get what God has for them. And all they see are giants in the land. They haven't learned a thing. You want to finish strong? You want to finish succeeding abundantly? Take your eyes off the giants and start putting them on the giant slayer. Start seeing who our God is. God has the promised land for each and every one of us. You know what Joyce Meyer's ministry is called? Enjoying everyday life. You know what God wants us to do? Live life abundantly. Enjoy this life every single day to finish strong, to finish for Him. And we're getting ripped off. It goes on when we read down here, and this is what I want to close with, and this is chapter 14, and this is verse 9. It says, um, this is a, you know what, I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to go a couple minutes over this morning, and I hardly ever do. Verse 5 says, Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of all the assembly of the congregation of the sons of Israel, Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. Remember, these are the two who brought back the good report. He said, let's take the land. And they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, and he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey, only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But all the congregation said to, the, said to stone them with stones. Then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the sons of Israel. Do you guys remember the message last week? Anybody remember the message? It was entitled, Emmanuel, God with us. You know what they said here? You know what Joshua and Caleb said? The two men who finished strong, the two men who kept going, they said, their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. And while we celebrated the Lord's birth last Wednesday, Emmanuel is always, God is with us. It doesn't matter how big your giant is. It only matters that you realize how big your God is. You want to finish strong, start realizing how big our God is and walking in the power that he has for each and every one of us. So when we see the giants, we say, I come to you in the name of the living God. Be done, and it will be done. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, I pray uh, we finish this year exceeding abundantly for you. I pray that we start 2020 
exceeding abundantly and finish strong that year for you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, that we will, we will take the calling on our lives that you have for each and every one of us. And Lord, how many days, how many years you have for each and every one of us that we will be a people who finish strong for you, Lord Jesus. Lord, you continue to work on us. You're finishing strong for us. We read that scripture to start with. And Lord, we're confessing we want to be people who finish strong for you, that you would use us for your kingdom, that you would use us for your glory. When we have giants in our lives, we will come to those giants in the name of the living God, and those giants will be defeated because you are bigger and greater than. Help us to take our eyes off all the things you don't want our eyes on and put them on you, our Lord, our Master, our Savior our omnipotent, all-powerful God. And while everybody's praying and everybody has their eyes closed, I always want to give an opportunity for somebody to accept the Lord because you, today is the day of salvation. And if today is your day of salvation and you want to know Jesus, I want to introduce you to him. And if you've never met him and you want to meet him, I'm just asking you to stand up and walk down to the front and I'll introduce you to him, and he'll come in, and he will help you to finish your ministry strong. Anybody here would like to do that to this morning? And Father, I pray that all of us know you and have a personal relationship with you, and if there's even one person who doesn't, Lord, that they will not leave this building without coming to know you today. And for every Christian here who knows you, Lord, that we will be a people who finish exceeding abundantly for you and your kingdom. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. Let's stand and close in song.
because you set me free. So I shout out your name from the rooftops. I'll proclaim that I am yours. I am yours. To the one, the Son, the everlasting God, the everlasting God. Here I am, I stand with arms wide open to the one, the Son, the everlasting God, the everlasting God. To your loving hands, and I am yours. I am yours. So I shout out your name from the rooftops. I'll proclaim that I am yours. I am. You have a great day.